It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRider.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar podcast. I am your host Simon Von Bromley and today I am very lucky to be joined by Liam Carhill and Warren Rossiter. How are you guys doing? Oh good thanks. I'm very well thank you. Great well today is a big news in road cycling because there have been two huge launches. Cannondale has finally released details about its new generation 4 Super 6 Evo and SRAM has updated its mid-range wireless electronic group set force axis so let's dive straight into them because it's going to be a jam-packed podcast full of tasty tech nuggets warren give us the scoop on the new cannondale super 6 evo generation 4 right um actually before we get into the new evo um and i think we need some sort of rant klaxon right now because i just want to <laughs> say something it. about about this new evo for me, and I'm sure for a lot of you out there, when I think Cannondale, I think Killer V, Delta V, Super V, Headshock, Lefty, Bad Boy, the Power Pyramid, Pivotless Suspension on the Scalpel, DualShock, Gemini, Downhill Bike, the Bad Boy, the Hooligan, Kodakranks, SI, AI redished wheel standards, and of course, BB30. The new Evo, in short, is sublime, but it's not stupid. It's not out there. It's not wacky <laughs> or the least bit weird. So how Cannondale is it? I'd like to file several of those things that you mentioned in the certified stupid end of the spectrum. <laughs> AI dished wheels being king. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point, Warren. Like, this is kind of one of the big things about this new bike is it does kind of feel very uh, non-Cannondale. Obviously, it looks kind of, you know, at a glance, broadly similar to the Generation 3 one. But but yeah, like, it doesn't have any of those kind of... Uh, wacky kind of out there tech advances that we've come to expect from Cannondale. This is the theme of the day as well. Uh, I don't want to spoil the SRAM, but <laughs> if you if you wanted massive tech leaps, you know, don't be expecting it. Yeah, I mean, I would say you know the the, the new Evo. You put it side by side with the old one, and it is almost quite hard to tell until you sort of dig down deep and have a really good look because there is there is some really good smart out there Cannondale tech going on here it's just been achieved in a much simplified way they haven't gone after the proprietary you know even bits that are proprietary like there's a new steerer which they're calling delta steerer so it's a sort of almost triangulated 
but it works off it works with a standard headset it works with a you know an actually quite slim headset by modern standards one and eighth top one and a half bottom um which you know they've used that it's that's given them some aero gains because you've got a smaller frontal area um and then you know moving towards the back of the bike what they've done around the seat post really really interesting as well so you know i, I think there's just enough canada i just i expected some mad new standard and we didn't get one which is probably a good thing but it's moved to a uh, BSA threaded bottom bracket. Am I right in saying that? Yes, I think I think you know we we can officially declare that as far as Canada are concerned, uh, BB30 is dead. Did you Hallelujah. get a chance to ask them whether that would be kind of uh, you know is that going to go out across other bikes as well? Well, you know it's already on Topstone, it's already on Synapse, so on on the road side of things, there there isn't anything left really. Um, you know, I very much six. doubt if they do a new six seven six whether it's going to be BB30 or not. You know, yeah. Uh, um, uh, and t- you know, talking to the guys at Cannondale, it was kind of um, uh, as much as they believe in in what BB30 achieved for them, especially you know coming out of the aluminium era into carbon. Um, you can't ignore the market. You know, Pe- people want threaded bottom brackets, so that's what they're going to get. Uh, away from the sensible things, I want to give Cannondale a massive, massive Carlton Kirby Chateau for actually bringing us a wattage claim. They're claiming that this is not only more efficient than their old bike, they're claiming that this is faster than some significant rival brands, mm. which yeah. I, I haven't seen a bike brand release an aero road bike in a few years claiming that it's faster than the rivals. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And they've given us specific figures as well. So just for the for the listeners, they are claiming it's 12 watts more efficient at 45 kilometers per hour than the Generation 3 Evo. And they're also saying it's 12 and 3 watts more efficient than the Trekamonda SLR and the Specialized Tarmac SL7, respectively, again, at 45 kilometers per hour. Now, of course, I'm sure those brands would say, well, you know, Cannondale's wind tunnel testing protocol doesn't take into account all the things that we like to. But yeah, like it's an impressive claim, right? Yeah. They put it out there. Oh, definitely, definitely. And this, you know, these, these figures they're talking about are all um the figures that come from from nathan who's their you know their their aerodynamicist in in chief as it were is a doctorate in in it and he it's his um um it's the thesis that he wrote around his phd which is all about your weighted drag so what you're actually looking at is the complete system weight of the bike and rider and all of those different wind angles you're gonna get under your all kind of averaged down to create a single figure so what he's basically saying is over the span of any condition you might find they state that the evo is quicker than than you know its big rivals as it were and, and this isn't an aero road bike you know this is a this is an all-round road yeah. bike that just happens to have some aerodynamics on it i mean what they're really doing is throwing massive shade and I, <laughs> i'm here for it <laughs> yeah. this well, is I'm what sure we want to see know, both brands will be, you know, both the, the Amanda SLR and Tarmac SL7, I'm sure they'll, you know, those brands will be working on new versions of those bikes, which presumably will be, you know, a thousand watts faster. So. Oh, come on, Trek. Come on, specialised <laughs> balls in your court. So what are some of the uh, main new aerodynamic features of the Gen 4 Super 6 Evo was? Well, I mean, if we look at uh, the front end, I've, you know, previously mentioned that they've been able to reduce the size of the head tube. Um, but then there's a new R1 system bar, which moves away from what Cannondale did before with the with the knot and hologram cockpit, which was kind of a suedo one-piece cockpit. Um, and they've now gone in favour of just a standard, you know, singular piece, um, which is much, much more aero than the old bar. Um, and they've done simple things like they've moved the... Um, they've moved the out front mount to the underside of the bar, whereas on the old knot bar it seemed to sit on top, which for me was kind of you've just ruined all the aero gains you've you've created by you know sticking this brick just above the bar. Um, and this bar has been designed with Momo Design, it's an automotive design house that most people probably know from making fancy steering wheels. And, uh, but you know, fancy steering wheels and, and alloy <laughs> wheels. You know, well, if you look at like um, you know, if you look at like a Ferrari F1. Uh, car, you look at the steering wheel, it's normally got a Momo design logo. Oh, okay. uh, I, I mostly look at a Ford Fiesta steering wheel. But if you <laughs> if yeah, if you'd um, taken your Ford Fiesta to a trip to to Halfords and bought all the bolt uh, on bits, you'd probably end up with a Momo wheel. I need and to am spend I right in time. thinking there are some uh, new aero bottles and cages? I'm sure that will send a shiver down Liam's spine. I mean, I when they when they said about a new aero bottle and cage, I thought oh, that's ridiculous, you know. 
they're they're normally they're just so difficult you know they're difficult yeah. to get out they're difficult to put back in <laughs> simple things like when you're trying to fill them up in your kitchen they won't stand up so they fall over and you end up with sticky surfaces everywhere. yeah yeah but this new bottle design i actually i actually quite like for one the new um grip aero bottle cage works with a standard bottle so you can just put, plug a standard round bottle in there anyway um but the new bottle is effectively it's like a round bottle but they've shaved the sides so it's effectively slab sided but it's got a normal mouthpiece, normal screw top, um, and they've built a ridge into the moulding of the bottle, so it locates really easily in the bottle cage. It takes you, you know, a couple of goes, and you're, and you're used to it. And if their claims are to be believed, you put a pair of these bottles and cages on any bike, and you're looking at saving about three watts over a standard bottle because they effectively don't make the down tube any wider. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, they they actually found that with these two bottles in place. On the new Evo, it makes the down tube on the Evo almost mimic the down tube on the System Six. So, it's big aero gains, and it's not. And again, it's not going to be very expensive. You know, the the current regrip bottle cage is about nineteen pounds, and the bottle's like a tenner. So, if these ones come out at the same price, then it's quite a cheap upgrade to any bike. I think. I mean, my question would be: How are these going? How are how are these bottles going to cope being caught in a semi classic when riders are in a gutter? doing 50-something kilometres per hour. I think the simple thing is, like because the bottle cage works with any bottle, it's fine. And actually, the ridge kind of design they've got on the bottle, it actually locks in really well. I mean, you know, I've, I've only ridden with them for a, for a day, but, I, you know, I, I jumped a few curbs and, you know, hit some speed bumps pretty hard to try and dislodge them, and I couldn't. So um, I, I came away sort of genuinely thinking, oh, I've never thought about aero bottles before, but <laughs> these have made me think about aero oh, bottles. Oh, no. <laughs> and they stand up. I mean, that's the best thing. When, you, you know, when you're filling them up in the morning, they stand up. They stand on up, their own. it's fine. So what hasn't changed? Um, I would probably say, you know, the, the general silhouette is very, very similar. You can see some few differences. But from my point of view, what I didn't want them to change and they haven't changed is the geometry is exactly the same. Um, the stiffness characteristics of the bottom back end head tube are exactly the same as are the comfort figures coming out out of the back end. So, uh, you know, laying my cards on the table, huge fan of the Evo. I own one. I, it's one of my biggest regrets ever is I never bought the Evo 2 disc mm. when I had the opportunity. Um, and it's still, to this day, pretty much the benchmark for this style of road bike that I judge every other bike on. It sits up, for me, it sits up there with the TCR and the Tarmac. It's like the best of the best of all-round race bikes, as it were. And so they haven't broken any of those bits. They've just improved lots of other bits. Sorry, ju just to go off-tangent a moment, the Evo 2, was that with the through-axles or was that with... It had a through-axle at one end. Oh, and yeah. I, I remember there was a reason I hated it. It had the round tubes, though, didn't it? it looked, yeah, it looked classic. super light round tubes. There were no drop Peaceful. seat stays either, were there? No, no, oh, it was a, a, a classic. <laughs> a <laughs> Almost like bike. an AFOS, Liam. I know, nearly, nearly as good. Oh, there's a reason for that, but we don't need to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about weight, because obviously, um, if anyone who's read the story will know, Cannondale has introduced a kind of new tier of bike called uh, Lab 71, and it's a little bit kind of like, S-Works or CFR with Canyon and I believe those are kind of like a, a new level of you know kind of lightweight for Canyon so do we have uh, kind of claimed frame weights and and how does a kind of complete bike work out? Well I mean Lab 71 is a bit of an odd one because obviously Cannondale did have a few limited editions in the past you know they had like black ink and a few things like that but high mod on from Cannondale is still it's the pinnacle it's the equivalent of, a, of an SLR or you know a CLX from Canyon so it's like this Lab 71 is is introducing a kind of if a high mods a superbike, this is like hyperbike. It's it's mad, you know. Um and Lab 71 is going to be rolled out across quite a lot of new models. I mean, there's there's one coming at the end of the March, which I'm really excited about, but I can't talk about it yet. Um I've I've already tried to get an order in for one, but they're bringing so few into the country, I doubt I'll get it. Um but anyway, Lab 71, it They've used, uh, they're, they're really, really tight-lipped about exactly what they've used, but I know they're using a new iteration of their nano resin, which is, I, I always like to think of anything that says nano in it is it's slightly dirty resin. So it's, <laughs> it's resin that's got some bits in it that makes it you know, stronger and lighter. Um, and there's a new 
carbon layup system that's gone on with this. And they've been able to knock quite a lot of weight out of out of the frame. You know, the standard high mod frame is super light anyway, 810 grams. That's painted with all the metal hardware in place. Um, and the new Lab 71, 770 grams for the same. And that's in a 56, like fully painted, ready to go. Um, so, yeah, this is an exceptionally light bike. And then complete bike, 56, fully painted, all the bits on with the 50 mil deep new hologram wheel set, um, 6.8 kilos. So it's at that UCI, just about to break UCI limit sort of thing. And, and I'd say, well, that full complete bike weight as well, that also includes bottle cages, which very few people actually do. Mm, yeah. So that is, that is low, <laughs> low weight. So. Yeah, not as you say, not bad for a bike that's got a bit more aero as well, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about those um, wheels then, because obviously the last generation of kind of Cannondale not wheels, uh, I hadn't ridden the, the shallower ones that came on the Super 6, but I was really impressed by the kind of really deep ones that came on the System 6. But I think um, Cannondale have kind of had a complete overhaul of their wheels, haven't they? Yeah, I mean... The rim shapes aren't quite as... Uh, if you remember on the on the System 6, the rim shape was so pronounced that it used to sit proud of the tyre, which which when you first looked at it was kind of... Same with the Roval Rapide. It's yeah. it's almost terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Worry about getting a puncture. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I was going to... When, when I remember being out on the System 6 launch and just looking down at that, and, and so when we were out riding, I was actually looking for any of those kind of little tiny gullies next to a curb. I was thinking, if I pop the tyre in there, am I going to be able to scrape the rim? I never managed to, but it was kind of... Very fast wheels, though, right? Very, very fast wheels. <laughs> really yeah. good wheels. Yeah. But anyway, the new wheels, they come in two versions. You get the RSL 50, which you'll get on the high mod and the Lab 71 models. Um, again, very, very light. 50 millimeter deep wheel set, uh, 1,520 grams a pair. Uh, that comes with the DT Swiss 240 internals, and that's the new DT Swiss 240. Um, and then the on the more affordable bikes, so there's not that many affordable bikes in the range just yet, you get the standard R50 model, um, and that uses DT Swiss's 350 internals, um, and they're 1,620 grams a pair. So still pretty light for a 50 mil deep wheel. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is a broad-spectrum probiotic and prebiotic formulated with 24 scientifically validated strains for whole body benefits. Engineered for maximum delivery to your colon, helping to support a healthy heart, maintain optimum cholesterol balance and lipid metabolism, as well as reinforce an optimal gut-skin access to promote clear skin. Visit seed.com Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Yeah, and those have hooked rims, don't they? I'm and they are not... cheapest, but hooked, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so in terms of like a little bit more frame details, I do just want to kind of uh, roll back a little bit because you mentioned earlier the uh, delta-shaped steerer tube, and it's a kind of like it's almost like a, an aerofoil shaped. And, and I believe that Canada has also got rid of the steering stop in this generation. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, effectively, because they've, I guess because internal routing has just moved on so rapidly since the first Evo, um, there are just much better solutions out there. So this new Delta steerer tube I, helps them internally route the cables much easier. And obviously now with both SRAM and Shimano being wireless at the front end, you've got less clutter to worry about. So it, it's kind of facilitated this. It, although the new Evo design does work with mechanical group sets as well, which will be coming probably not this year, probably in 24, I think, when they expand the range out. Um and as I say, it, it works with a standard one and eighth to 1.5 headset. So there's no proprietary headset here. You'll be able to get spares anywhere. Um, and it just, it, it's a really, really tidy solution. Um, 
even though at first glance you go, oh, that looks weird, you know. Um, and the steerer tube is made from carbon fiber, and then they've they've put in an Enigra fiber, which is super tough and super resilient to knock. So, you know, no concerns about uh, having a weird shaped steerer going to be fragile at all. And yeah, probably the best thing for anybody who likes track standing or riding very slowly through gates um no steering stops anymore well it, yeah it's a problem you know like even like there's a little bike path you know kind of just down near me when i come come into work and and it just it's one of those kind of like you know terrible pieces of infrastructure that's really bad for anyone who's not on a kind of you know standard bike but it would make getting through there on a on a system six or a super six pretty really tricky i think for me the best thing about it is that it you know it kind of has this steer shape but it still enables you know, the use of non-integrated handlebars, which I think is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, that's the really interesting thing. Although they've, you know, they are calling this a proprietary system, um, obviously Team EF have got their own sponsorship deal, so they're, they're with Vision. So if you look at all the EF bikes, they're running effectively, what is FSA's ACR stem and whatever bar they like. And in fact, the bike that I was I was test riding out in Girona um, didn't come with the system bar, even though the model it should have. Um, that just came with a, you know, with a Vision Trimax Aero, um, drop bar and, and kind of those standard stem called the conceal, which just roots the brake hoses underneath the stem in a kind of a little kind of bolt-on cover, a bit like the way Cervelo do it and and quite a few other brands. So the, yeah, this new upfront system is compatible with their own bar, with their own conceal stem or FSA's ACR. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's compatible with like Deda's version, et cetera, et cetera. So basically the front end, you put whatever you want on it, which... Um, which is good, which is, you know. It's, yeah, it's pretty good, good and it's, yeah, quite rare these days. Mm. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about uh, pricing. You mentioned earlier that, you know, I think, as is kind of probably won't be news to anyone who's listened to many episodes of the Bike Radar podcast, this, this isn't a kind of cheap bike, right? No, I mean, at launch, um, the range is, I would say, quite concise. So um, it starts at £6,250, which is $5,500. Um, and that rises up to the Lab 71 bike uh, at £12,500 or $15,000. So, yeah, it's um, it's not cheap in this original instance. And I did ask Canada about this because, you know, it's the one thing that I've always liked about Evo is that, Evo, you've been able to get it right down to like Mechanical 105 or even Tiagra models. So it's a kind of, it, it's a good basis for a bike that you can, you know, you can take on an upgrade. And there are still, obviously, um, the standard carbon version of the frame, the high mod version, and and Lab Seventy One. So cheaper models will be coming, but they they're talking about you know supply chain issues with drivetrains at the minute is so difficult. So um, I think throughout the most of the rest of twenty twenty three, we're going to see anything below that six thousand pound limit will still be Evo three. By twenty twenty four, the range will expand. It's it's very much the same as what uh, Specialized did with Tarmac SL seven. Though under a certain price point, you still get SL six. Yeah, and I think these kind of prices, you know, obviously they are absolutely expensive, um, but you know, relative to a specialized or a Trek, this this is kind of just where the market's going, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that that standard base, well, not the base model, the entry model is Ultegra Di two. It's got the the fifty R wheels on it. Um, it's got you know, it's got every. It's a incredibly looks like an incredibly good bike for. You know, for six thousand two hundred fifty, and actually quite competitive against its against its rivals, I would say. And even more so when you look at like Lab Seventy One. You know, Lab Seventy One is the pinnacle. It's got this, you know, ridiculously light frame. Um, you've got full Dura SDI two. You've got the system bar. You've got the top RSL wheels. Twelve and a half thousand pounds. You know, that's a lot of money. But you look at that against an S Works Tomac SL Seven, or you know, the Top Trek Amanda SLRs. It's a couple of grand cheaper you know it's 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 really really expensive but it's not as really really expensive as some of its biggest drivers yeah you could easily spend more right <laughs> so let's uh let's give let's have a little bit of your first impressions was where did you go firstly and uh, how was the bike um the test riding was out in Girona, so um it's it's a great it's a great testing ground for for a bike like the evo you know you've got some you've got some big some big climbs but nothing too um, soul destroying but you've got some fabulous descents lots of twists and turns lots of you know lots of good technical descending and some good wide open fast roads as well so um, natural natural kind of home for a bike like the Evo and I would say on the first 
few kilometers of just getting out of you know the the urban sprawl where it's kind of flat or or rolling the initial thing i just thought is oh this is an evo um you know i made sure that for the few days before i was out riding my own um evo 3 just to make sure i was completely familiar uh, and you'd literally get on it and go yep this feels right this feels this feels normal um but then i guess when you get into the hills uh, I, you kind of notice that little bit you know a little bit less weight as it were i mean my own evos not exactly heavy it's it's on it's about 7.85 kilos but the test bike i was riding took three quarters of a kilo off that so you did i i did notice that you know i did notice the difference when the when the road started to go up um and uh you know but but really i always think you know whenever you're testing a bike like this if you're if you're riding uphill you're testing yourself when you're riding downhill you're testing the bike and and the this new evo is is brilliant you know it feels exactly like the old one there are a few parts on it which i really like even though the bike i was test riding was was SRAM force equipped um for any di2 user i think this new evo is just brilliant it's just um it's one of the big aero gains they've managed to get is the reshaping of the seat tube and it's almost like the reshaping of the seat tube dictated what they would do with di2 integration because if you look at the current evo it's got a d-shaped um, seat post, which is really narrow. It's effectively like a 25.4. This new one is about half that. It's like 15 mil at its widest and properly aero bladed. And so the first thing I saw when you actually see, you know, I was one of the, on one of the rides, I was riding behind somebody who was on an old Evo and someone's on the new one. And you look at them side by side and, you know, the difference is marked. But the initial thing I thought is like super skinny seat post like that, that's almost like a, you know, like an airfoil. Uh, I thought that's just going to be bendy all over the place. It's just going to flop side to side as soon as you stop putting the power down. Absolutely not. It's like resolutely stiff where you need it to be, but not overly harsh. It still feels like an Evo, so that's that comfort. Um, but obviously, if you're moving to a seat post that's 15 mil wide, you're not getting a DI2 battery in its normal location. So what Cannondale have done, and I also think this is probably something to do with the switch from BB30 to BSA as well, in the bottom bracket shell, they've molded in a carbon port, which you plug your DI2 battery into. Beautiful, really nice interface, fit and everything. And, you know, if like me, you know, you spend a lot of time riding in the winter, a lot of time riding in horrible, terrible rain, seat post slippage is an issue. Um, no matter how good a bike is, you will get the seat post slipping once the water starts to ingress in there. And literally the worst thing that happened with the DI2 battery in your seat post is seat post slips, cuts the wire, you're left with no gears whatsoever. Or anybody who travels with a bike and it's DI2, that dreadful sinking feeling when you realize you've just dropped your wire down into the abyss of a seat tube you know which usually you know usually necessitates either constructing something mad out of a um a, a wire coat hanger or uh, and then you know literally trying to fish in an inch wide hole for for hours or you're taking the bottom bracket and the, you know your cranks out just to locate that wire to try and thread it back through this does away with all that it just seems like a much simpler way of doing it and it's actually led to gains with the bike as well. So uh, I'd like to you know, dig up Cannondale for being a bit out there compared to the, the current status quo on that one. It's also a little bit more weight lower down, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a seat post mounted DI2 battery. It's only a, a hundred and something grams, but it's still a little bit of weight that's on a pendulum and yeah. you kind of, a eh, yeah. little bit of notice there. Yeah. And so, you know, what I would say is like, you know, with this new Evo, it's really rare for a bike to feel that kind of stable and fast in a straight line. It, you know, it feels aero road bike fast, yet it's still nimble enough to, you know, cut your way through traffic or, you know, negotiate really tight corners and just get your line perfect or even make, like, you know, mid-corner corrections when you've kind of got it a bit wrong. You know, it, it's just um, the handling of it is just sublime. Which is kind of what I expected because that's what Evo's known for. Um, so you've got these incremental increases on every part of the bike. So I guess um, for me, the big question would be, would I trade up my Evo 3 for an Evo 4? Um, truthfully, uh, not just yet. You know, I still love my bike and, you know, I can happily live with BB30, steering bump stops, funny dropouts and not as much tyre clearance. Um, though, if I was coming in fresh and I was looking for a new bike for... 23, 24, um, this is one of the best lightweight race bikes to date. Um, and it would be on the, you know, the very shortest of shortlists. 
Cool. All right. Well, that all sounds very exciting. I'm sure we, like everyone else, will be looking forward to reading a full review on BikeRadar.com soon. So look out for that. And as I said earlier in this podcast, launched today as well was a new version of SRAM Force Axis. And Liam was lucky enough to head out for a first ride on it. So Liam, give us the juicy scoop. Uh, Three changes. Uh, You have improved front derailleur shifting. It is so, so much better from little ring to big ring. It is smoother. It is faster. Um, it, yeah, it is just fabulous. Really, really hit the nail on the head, did SRAM with that one. New chain rings, they take the red design. Uh, they're integrated. They look great. You're not a fan. I'm not a fan. <laughs> a part of it. Um, and then the shifter shape, or more specifically, the hood shape. That comes from Rival. The, the lever shape is slightly, slightly thinner. It's carbon, and there's a new paddle design to stop you from crushing your knuckles when you're really, really braking hard. Oh, and <laughs> so they've, yeah, they've dropped the ETAP name because apparently yeah. electronic gears now are so ubiquitous that we don't need to be told that it's ETAP. It's, it's a collection of letters less that I have to type out when I'm writing about it. But I've still got so to does write that mean AXS. SRAM is completely dropping mechanical group sets, or is, or did they say, or you know, did they not want to be drawn on that? Um, I don't know whether I can say. I don't know whether I've been told specifically, but it sounds like no. It sounds like they'll keep making it. It is no, but the old stuff. Yeah, the old stuff's still going to be there if okay. you want it, like really want it. But they're not really the, marketing it, though, are they? The, the market is, uh, from what I've heard from um, bike brands, group set brands, the market's like, well, this was about three years ago, was 95% electronic, so God knows what it is now. For I think for Pure Road, it's electronic. It, it, it's just that's the future, it, it, you know, like it or not. I think um, mechanical groups are still, there's still going to be opportunity for them in the gravel adventure space. Mm. Just because I think uh, people like the idea of being able to tinker by the trail side when you're stuck in the middle of the Gobi Desert or whatever, <laughs> and you've got no charger. Um, so yeah, I think it's there. Uh, I mean, the one thing I've, I, you know, I just have to say that I've got the new Force Group set. I've put a couple of hundred miles into it until Liam stole it off me to take my bike to bits to weigh all the bits. <laughs> uh, I still haven't got it back. So uh, I'd I'd say your bike is looking in good shape. It's missing a few bits. <laughs> <laughs> it's lighter. Uh, it's, it's most lighter, yeah. It was, it was kind of light already, it was <laughs> but um, uh, I, I had the opportunity to ride it back to back with um, my own tarmac, which has got old force on it in exactly the same configuration. And front shifting, yeah, I could totally agree. It's just it's so so much slicker and so much quicker. Um, and also, I find that the front mech settles itself a lot easier as well. Yeah, you get no buzz. You get no. You get very few issues with this this yeah. new one. But the one thing I have noticed, like riding it back to back, especially in you know riding it here in winter, big thick gloves on, the shifter has a much more defined click. The button has a much more defined click. I'd I'd like to say that I was riding this in the southern half of Portugal, so I was not wearing <laughs> gloves. <laughs> Don't want to flex there. Came back with a tan. Two days of riding it was great. Um, yeah, a little bit more defined yeah. almost yeah. Uh, it's almost like it's got more movement you know yeah. it's like you're, you're, you're pushing a, a much more resistant button and you get a absolute like almost like a sonic click mm. rather than the old one which could be a little bit woolly especially when you you know got cold hands big gloves in terms of what hasn't changed though this is basically the same rear derailleur as yes. the old one yeah. um, slightly different paint slightly different logo I mean I would say the finish on New Force it's lovely. I think it's. I think it's a big improvement. I'm a big fan of the sparkly paint, but that's me liking sparkly paint. Yeah. I find that the logos maybe look like a, a small sticker. They could <laughs> yeah. have been they've, got kind of, yeah, yeah. they've got that kind of prism finish on them. Haven't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen a couple of bikes with new force on it where they've matched the graphics on the bike to the force group. Oh, Instagram so, is going to love so this group like, set. You know, a big chrome logo on the down tube that's prismy. And it's matching yeah. the mix. And that kind of, you go, oh, yes, I like yeah. the idea of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, is this really, Liam, is this really a new group set or does this feel like more of a running upgrade? Because I think 
that from at a glance, as you say, if the rear derailleur is pretty much the same, I think for a lot of people, they'll be kind of saying, oh, it, it, you know, like was said earlier, is this worth upgrading? If you already have a 12-speed force-axis ETAP group set, is this worth upgrading to? I, I think um, you've got to consider that, okay, so you get the new front derailleur shifting. It's brilliant. You've got the new hood shape. That's drip uptech from Rival. And you've got the new chain rings drip down tech from uh, Red. The rest is pretty much the same. The brakes are the same as the rolling change that came out in February of 2020 when we were all not paying attention to bike tech. Um, they kind of went under the radar. That's now a two-part system. If you want to get techy, it's a two-part system now so that they can drill the borehole a bit more easily or a bit more accurately. The rear cassette has been... It's again, it's the running change because yeah. um, my my own force bike, which is old 12, 12 speed axis, um, is the very original force mm. that came out. And there was a rolling change in the cassette. And again, when you ride the brand new one against mine, which is original force axis, um, at either ends of the cassette, the new axis, force axis, is much quieter than the original old one. Yeah, you but really I, don't know. I haven't ridden enough more up-to-date, equipped, old-force mm. bikes to notice whether they are just feeling exactly the same. But you do notice. You don't... Yeah, yeah. And it's not... Um, it's that kind of chain vibration you get at either either end of the, mm. of the cassette. You just don't get that on the new on the new one compared to my old one. But so then... Uh, sorry, oh, go, go on, on Simon. No, no, you... Okay, you all right. Let's, let's address the kind of chain ring thing because you mentioned earlier that it's got the new... It's got the kind of integrated chain ring design from, uh, from the red group set. Uh, and I, yeah, like I'll put my cards on the table and say like I think it looks fantastic this design, especially at the red level where you get the kind of like polished silver chain rings. I think it is like one of the best looking kind of chain set setups available. But I am a chronic fetteler, and I, and I you know the idea of not being able to you know customize my my kind of gear ratios depending on what riding I'm doing, and you know or just re kind of replace a chain ring when you know one wore out, blah blah blah. It, it just seems like absolute madness to me now i i believe sram told you that in you know their kind of research suggests that people don't actually change chain rings as much as kind of yeah. you know, nerds like us might suspect so are there any kind of you know differing opinions around the table so sram says that i don't want to make you cry because I, I can see that you're um just <laughs> livid right now but for for the fessler uh, or the fessilers amongst us. The the disappointing thing is that you also lose the pad contact adjustment point. Uh, yeah, pad I read, contact yeah. point yeah, it adjustment. I mean, it, yeah, God, yeah. Pad I mean, the re the reason they've been able to move to a s smaller shifter. I mean, a sort of smaller hood is they've got rid of wide blips. Yeah, um, not at, not sad about that. I, I, I'm uh, blips. But you get six. But now you can fit you six, six wireless just in case ones. Come you on. need eight different locations yeah. to shift from. Yeah. Although I do like the fact that now the new wireless blip is compatible with the dropper for any gravel riders out there. Yes, yeah, big upgrade there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, brake pad contact adjustment. Again, you know, Sham said like, almost nobody uses it. Um, and to be honest, you know, I've got three or four Sram equipped bikes. I've used the brake contact adjustment point on each of those bikes once where I've set it up right and then left it alone. Yeah. Um, and... I didn't find on the new bike, although I haven't got that many miles into it yet, um, I didn't find that the pad contact point was anything I didn't agree with anyway. So it's, no, it's yeah. kind of... I still find those break... Like my one big gripe about this... or my two big gripes about this new group set is that the rear derailleur shifting hasn't been improved. It's, I've never seen a group set launch with no claim to the rear derailleur attached to it like it's lighter or it's faster or it's got a better battery i i do not understand that but also the braking is the same and compared to shimano like i'm i ride shimano on my bike on my road bikes i ride sram mountain bike brakes if i get on the mountain bike brakes i love them if i get on the road sram brakes they feel far too wooden compared to the Shimano's uh, latest servo wave stuff to me. I, I don't have that same sort of issue. I mean, one thing I have noticed, and and it's one, it's something that we've 
we've just come across on a on another big test doing it at the minute on um uh, sort of wide high, well wide mid to high end gravel wheels and we've been using exactly the same bike with exactly the same group set exactly the same brakes exactly the same rotors and of the nine sets six sets of wheels have been absolutely perfect the others the brakes squeal all the time and it's a SRAM force explore brake huh and weird to me suggests that not everybody is cutting the splines on their hubs as nicely as they should. Yeah. So I, there's a lot of, there's the, you know, it. I never thought it'd come down to the hub as opposed to the frame or any other element of it, but the squeaky brake thing we are getting has to be down to the hub because everything else has been exactly the same. Are you saying there's a quality control issue in the bike <laughs> industry? I don't believe you. Um, on, on that note, I, I remember that Quick Step um, when disc brake really came in and they wanted perfection with wheel changes and stuff, um, they went to Roval and they worked with Roval to basically, maybe not improve Roval's standards, but to make sure that those uh, those disc rotors were in exactly the same position every mm. time. Because if you get a wheel change in a classic and you're trying to come back at 50 kilometers per hour and you can hear that going ting, ting, yeah. ting, whoa. I'd be livid. I'd be a cross <laughs> little Belgian. I feel that we just, I feel that we jumped off at a tangent there because we were talking about chain rings. Yeah, yeah, we were. On the brakes, I will touch, I, I feel like I kind of like, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think, you know, I think SRAM's braking is, you know, perfectly good enough mm, to slow you down. Absolutely. I think I do, I, I do agree that the new, you know, servo wave equipped Shimano road brakes do feel very good. Whether whether it leads to any kind of you know whether it stops me any quicker, I'm not. No, you know, I'm yeah. kind of not. True. I mean, I think, but it, it, the difference between the two is that, the, and it's more marked is that I think when you're down in the drops, the brakes are basically equal between mm. Shimano and Shimano, and not forgetting Campag, where Shimano have made the big difference in introducing servo wave. He's breaking from the hoods. Yeah, the breaking from the hoods feels as good as it does from the drops. And as most of us spend most of our time on the hoods, you know, if we're honest. Um, that's where Shimano do have the edge. It's not you know, in all braking conditions, it's in that you know, hand position braking condition. Absolutely. Has the new group set got any lighter, Liam? Because I think you know, one of the old criticisms of the uh, older force group set was that it's, it was slightly heavier than Ultegra. Now, you know, I'm not really that fussed about a couple of hundred grams here or there, There's but a lot of people that are. I do take an issue with on when all these stated weights are, because I've, I've had this on many forums etc etc when talking about weights in SRAM's favour when they give you the weight of a group set when they give you the weight of the brakes and the, and the STI uh, you know the shifters etc they include the cable they include the hose and they include the fluid inside the hose now Shimano don't they just give you the weights of all the metal bits yeah. and so when we're talking about disparities between you know between companies I think there's a little bit of a, there's a, you know, the difference is Shimano is generally lighter, but it's not as light, as much lighter as it seems to be. Um, yeah, I, I just like that. The clarification on that, I, was like, I think, is important. I don't think you're going to be saving a huge amount of weight going for Shimano versus this. Um, for what it's worth, SRAM says that this is about 120 grams lighter, depending on what you get um the 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 big savings i think are being made um around the chain sets because of those new chain rings um i think they're about 90 something grams lighter between is it between 94 and 100 and something yeah whether you get big ones or little ones I suppose. yeah but yeah that's that's where the big gain is coming from um whether it's worth being stuck into a modular system i'm not sure modular and system God no! Oh, I've, well, it's Monday it's morning. Integrated system, isn't it? How about um, pricing though? Because I thought this was one area that was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm loath to kind of quote prices on group sets these days because no one buys a bloody group set these days. It, it seems to me. Um, sure, 2000 but it does affect how you know a bike is. You know, like a, a bike will be priced right according to how much the group set costs to buy. I know, and obviously, like thing, you know, but yeah, but no, because so, force is cheap. You know, it's retained the same price that it had of the old one, and the old one had a massive price reduction halfway through its life. That's the big news, yeah. really. I mean, that's the big news that they've maintained the price, and that's that's impressive. But just as rival is 
significantly cheaper than 105 Di2. When you look at complete bikes, a rival axis bike is usually more expensive than a 105 yeah. Di2 bike. And I'm pretty sure the same will happen with Force and Ultegra Di2 bikes. Shimano can just do things cheaper yeah. on, Shimano, on mass. Shimano's you know, OE pricing must be just through the floor. Yeah. You know, um, And SRAM, as big as they are, they aren't Shimano big, so they, they can't compete on OE. And they don't have as much OE reach as well. So. I think it will come down to maybe, especially at this level, if you're looking at a bike in a shop, look really beyond the group set. Look at what you're getting. If you're getting that SRAM power meter yeah. as standard yeah. for 100, maybe 200 quid more than the Shimano bike without a power meter, get the SRAM bike because yeah, those power meters are absolutely dialed. They are lovely to use. And ETAP's easy to live with. If you ever want to take the components off, you can pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. In, in terms of pricing, I think it's going to be similar, but more to look at than kind of just the headlines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that, you know, mentioning the power meter is a big thing because it's one of the most dependable power meters on the market. You know, Quark are, have to just have it dialed. Funnily enough, we went on the launch uh, connected to two bikes with the same head unit, trying to connect to bikes outside a press trip where everyone's trying to connect to their bike <laughs> and their power meter. It was a breeze. Yeah. Very, very easy. Yeah, I mean, the notes that I have, just for the people who, you know, might be considering a group set upgrade, I think this new group set is coming in at around £2,200, including a power meter. Now, Ultegra Di2 at RRP, you know, obviously, you know, take that with a pinch of salt, but it's uh, £2,400. Now, you can get it online for around, you know, 1900 But interestingly, 105 Di2, you know, RRP, £1,730. So if you added in a Quark, you know, D4 dub power meter, which is compatible with uh, Shimano chain rings, you know, you're looking at a price which is pretty close to force access. So I think, you know, as Warren said, you know, it's priced really, really aggressively. So... I think that's that is really interesting to see, as you say, in the context of you know wider price ranges around the industry. But also, you're looking at this group set, and there's a wide two by setup. There's a bunch of one by setups. There's a mullet setup with new things that we can't talk about uh, coming quite soon. Um, in terms of bikes that that's going to cover, a massive proportion of the market of drop bar bikes is going to be covered by some form of this group set. Yeah. So SRAM really is going to, I think I think SRAM's going to make some good ground with this. I think so. I think so. And I do think, you know, um, and actually to give Shimano their dues, the, the last few updates to um, the eTube project app, um, it is getting a lot better, Yeah. but it still doesn't hold a candle to the Axis. The Axis app and the Axis web is, it, it, if you're the sort of person that wants to dive so deep into it, you know, where you can look at how many times you shifted, um, which gear you spent the most time in, re relate those gears to power if you're running a power meter, you can dive so deep into everything there. Plus, you know, you can alter the, your rear mech on your phone mm. as you ride. You can adjust it. If it's making a little bit of noise, you can literally pull your phone out and go, oh, that's right, that's dialed in. The, the Axis app, I think, is just worth so much. You know, I don't use Strava anymore because the Axis app gives me more information. You know, it gives me everything Strava gives and more. And it's free. And it's free. Shots fired. <laughs> and in terms of uh, kind of, you know, your first impressions, Liam, what, what's your kind of overall overall sense of the group set? How did it, how did it make you feel? Um, the bits that they've improved, they've done a brilliant job on. Um, really impressed with that. Four years to change this and redesign it. I, it does leave me feeling a little bit deflated. I would have liked the new hood ergonomics to have been accompanied by um, a more progressive hood breaking actuation. I would have liked some form of fr uh, rear derailleur update. Um, anything would have been great. Um, apart from that, it still works brilliantly mm. and and it still works as well and actually the fact that they haven't changed the gearing i know i bang on about 10 tooth you know small cogs enough um i still don't like them but the gearing that is available is more usable to the average rider you know a recreational rider than uh, shimano's 
gearing and there are multi chaining options now aren't there yeah, yeah. Uh, you do uh, yeah that's one thing we should have mentioned uh, you do get the 5037 option that was previously a red only level thing so if you are into racing or just riding fast with your mates then you know you're going to be served by that pretty pretty well yeah i mean i would say again you know my sort of early impressions again i don't have much time on it yet mm. thanks to you Sales. um <laughs> uh, so i have been riding um my existing force axis bike and again it's not i wouldn't change no because i'm perfectly happy with force axis as it is right now but yeah. if my chain rings wear out or my front mech dies um i'll buy the new one because it's backwards compatible. Well, yeah. So. Uh, my, my take would be that if you are looking for a new bike and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I like SRAM, go and buy a discounted 20, what will it be? Will it be the 23 bikes? Probably still. Yeah. Don't, uh, if you can get a discount on it, get a discount on a bike with it. Um, don't get the new stuff yet. Sure. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things like I, even, even with the kind of latest generation of Shimano group sets, you know, I, I reviewed the, the new Dura Race group set and it is a fantastic group set. It does everything exceptionally well. But then, you know, Dura Ace R9100 was also a fantastic group set yeah. other than the kind of 12th cog, which like, you know, <laughs> how, how, how much gain are we really getting from that? It's kind of getting to that point now where, you know, I think if I ask myself, what more do I want? from a road bike group set, you know, if we sit here and bemoan that SRAM hasn't made enough improvements, what more do I realistically want? It's kind of quite hard to think of anything big, isn't it? You you might upgrade for the better brakes, maybe, and the the improved pla uh, pad clearance, but that would be the big one for me. The shifting's, you know, a bit better on the Shimano's latest stuff, but it was good already. Yeah. Oh, well, well maybe that's a topic for another podcast. Well, I think we will leave it there. Thanks very much for listening, as always. If you have any questions or any comments, you can, of course, leave a comment on the articles on BikeRadar.com and one of us will get back to you. Or you can email us at podcast at BikeRadar.com. Otherwise, until next time, thank you very much, Warren and Liam. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.